0: Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase.
1: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. you got problems that you ought to be concerned with. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret, but you're not.
0: Gabe S. Dunn. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm Gabe S. Dunn, your host. So we're going to get back into ESGs today. So can you tell my audience who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, I would love to. Thank you for the opportunity to do it. My name is Kyle Lane Purcell, although my friends call me Kyle. I'm a financial writer by trade and I have a business doing financial writing kind of topics, but me and my sort of second in command, whose name is Ben, we are both really big advocates for sustainable investing. And about two years ago, we decided, you know what, let's let's do more with what, the, what we believe in. And we already had a good base of knowledge about what was involved in that. So we decided to put the work into figuring out how to translate it in meaningful, understandable ways for everyday investors so we have a book that just came out in october called sustainable investing an esg starter kit for everyday investors and we've been working with advisors we've been working with small institutions and with individuals to help them understand what's available
0: in that world and figure out how they can kind of make a start what would you say constitutes an everyday investor
2: I think of an everyday investor as someone who basically has a retirement plan. That's usually kind of my starting place. I think that most people, when they go to invest beyond their like everyday bank accounts, the first opportunity or the first sort of you know awareness that they have about the world of investing comes through a retirement plan, either through their employer or through an IRA. Mm-hmm. And once people sort of put that money into the market and try to start thinking about long-term goals and long-term sort of building your financial resources for your future, that's uh, that's the best opportune moment to sort of talk with folks about the way that they think about money.
0: So why, I mean, the the thing that we hear sometimes here at bad with money is like oh well this show's not going to help make you rich which i like have never said it does so i just i'm curious like you know the pushback is like oh esgs don't make a lot of money so can you explain first like what an esg is and then why people might think that
2: yeah i think the biggest problem that you have to that you encounter is that what esg means differs depending on who you're talking to Hmm. We're early enough in the sort of development of ESG as an investment strategy or an investment process that different people have different ideas. There's a lot of like creative thinking going on out there and a lot of people with their own ideas about what it means. The idea, fundamentally ESG means you're looking at a company, not just based on their bottom line or their financial reports you're looking also at non-financial information. So questions like, do they have any diversity on their board of directors? Do they have any women or people of color on that board? Providing high level strategic direction for the way that the company functions. Does the company have diver- a diverse employment base? Do they, are they concerned at all? Or are they, are they at least measuring the kind of like emissions that they're producing and the impact that they have in their environment? How do they think about Transparency, are they honest about the what they do with the money that they have and the way that they try to use it? So it's all this this body of nine financial information. Now you mm-hmm. could look at that as an investor and think, I just I'm just an investor, want to make the most money I can. This is a great information edge for me. Or you can look at it like I, I'm a very values-oriented person and I really care about what I put my money toward because I understand the power. that that has so from my perspective it's kind of like whether you whether you're talking about you know non-financial issues or financial issues or you're concerned about returns or you're concerned about impact ESG is a is kind of the wave of the future because it it incorporates so much more understanding and awareness of how a company is impacting the world around it and incidentally it's worth pointing out that if you look at ESG strategies, they do not, in fact, perform worse than traditional investment strategies. They, the studies show that very consistently. Now, we're talking about studies that look at longer time periods, you know, five years or more. But what ESG tends to look at is sources of like risk and sources of the way companies sort of make money that apply over the longer term and non-sustainable businesses might be able to shoot up in the short term, but they tend to flame out and die a lot more commonly than businesses that score well on ESG issues. So if you're a long-term investor and anyone who invests in a retirement plan is a very long-term investor, you really want to
0: understand the advantage of being, you know, being focused on sustainable investment. So, what are the qualifications? Like you mentioned a few of them, but how do you get, what's like a high score versus a low score and how do you get scored? Who's doing that?
2: So, what we're seeing right now is that you have different scoring mechanisms. Morgan Stanley has a MSCI, has a very popular one. You can go to the, you know, you can Google MSCI ESG ratings and you can look up any company for free and get their, their, the MSCI version of what they're, ratings are. Morningstar provides those kind of ratings. I mean, there's a whole host of different kinds of companies that look at ESG from different perspectives, but it is important to know that they are different perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at Morningstar, for example, they're mostly concerned about risk, right? How does this affect the risk of the investments that you have? And for some people, that's really important, right? They're they're risk averse and they just want to understand where risk might be coming from. Whereas MSCI is more interested in opportunities.
0: Interesting. So it's like, okay, this, this might be a risk because this company is spilling a lot of oil. <laughs> so what? that could be risky versus like, and that could be important to someone, but also it could be important to them for, hey, we don't want oil in the water, but it also could be important to them because they're like, yeah, I don't want a company that's going to get like the, you know, an EPA is going to come down on them.
2: That, that's exactly right. It's in that sort of overlap of the Venn diagram that the like, real opportunities for changing things kind of exist, right? When you can get the money people who only care about money to acknowledge that, hey, if you're an insurance company, like things like you know these massive floods and massive climate change impacts, whether it be fires or floods or storms or what have you, are really killing your bottom line then that forces the company to be more mindful about, hey, we not only should be thinking about our impact on the environment, but we should also be advocating within our industry and within all of the worlds that we kind of play for you know, better focus or increased focus on environmental concerns.
0: What were you saying about the, the other one being about opportunity? Yeah, so
2: MSCI is more about, their, their, ra- their ranking system it looks at risk, but it also looks at, you know, companies that are trying to redress certain kinds of problems. So if you look at alternative energy, for example, you know, where is where is a given company in terms of either using alternative energy as a power source rather than just using fossil fuels or in solving problems mm-hmm. that will end up being the energy, the way, the way that energy is used in the future. Mm. So that their scoring system is a little bit more focused on trying to find that. So every scoring system has a little bit different definition. And so one of the things we advocate for is try to understand a a little bit of that context. But really what matters is what you believe and what you care about. And if you can do a bit of a deep dive on yourself and what really is driving you, you can line
0: up your money with your beliefs in a way that is much more powerful than has ever been true in the past. How does that work for like diversity, scoring for diversity?
2: So, diversity falls under that S, the S in ESG, which means social metrics, right? And so you can look at a company. And in fact, diversity is one of the better data sets out there because companies tend to do, tend to have better, more consistent data about percentage of women on boards or or diverse boards or diverse leadership or who owns what percentage of the company or what the percentage of leadership or management is that is non-white male. So, you know, you've got good data there to work from. And most of the strategies that we look at for investing in this ESG manner have pretty good information about the diversity aspects of the businesses that that they're looking at.
0: Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible, and the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney, netsuite.com slash badwithmoney Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com/badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/badwithmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shout out to Clarendon for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying, and I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for discount so you can live Claritin clear. So you can say, I want to make this amount of money because I think the cynical thing, I just see these like, old white men, like sneering and being like, okay, well, good luck with that. We're going to make billions of dollars, deep sea mine. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel it's, that's like, I can't get <laughs> I that exactly. image out of my
2: head. Like. I have to tell you a little story. I was at a conference a couple of years ago and it was an ESG focused conference. And there was a speaker there from Calvert, which is one of the, one of the investment companies, one of the larger investment companies that focuses on ESG.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was an advisor. It was a older white gentleman, advisor, who was in the audience. And he went up to the speaker afterwards and said, well, I don't believe in any of this mess, but tell me how to do it. Oh my God. (laughs) So, and we found that too. I mean, like, you know, we're trying to raise awareness. We're trying to educate people. We're trying to help people understand what's involved here. So the first group of people we reached out to was advisors, right? And say, hey, look, you know, we know you don't know very much about it because, you know, there's studies out there that show that. Talk to us. We're, we're happy to help you. And yeah. there are, you know, there were a few that were like, great, let's talk. But the vast
0: majority are like, oh, this is, this is different. This, they're this scared will, this. because if they, if they lose their client money trying to like do the right thing, you know, they're terrified. It's not just that. The, it's work.
2: It's work for them. You know they have to. They have to. They have to do a different kind of research, looking at different issues. And they're just. You know, a lot of these guys have been doing this job for 20 years, and they just don't want to bother. And and I'm not saying that as like, oh, all advisors advisors are bad because that is not the case. But I am saying that as an industry, there's a lot of just sort of entrenched sort of negativity, that is all anecdotal. So yeah. you know you you will hear lots of financial professionals say oh, you can't make money that way. It's not true. There's no there's no data to support that point of view, but they all say that to each other and they they choose to believe it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's interesting. Like I've spoken about to college kids about their school's endowments and seeing like what is actually in the the school's endowment in order to make sure that their money and tuition is getting. Put to places that they believe in, and I think this is kind of a similar thing. Where, like, if you work at a job and you go and look at your four hundred one k, are you able to say, "Hey, I don't like that these are in here. Can we do something?" Or does that kind of have to be like a, a group effort?
2: Has to be a group effort. Hmm. So four hundred one ks are tricky because you do not get to choose what gets put into your four hundred one k as options for you. Right? It's always the your your employer. You know, probably has some kind of committee, and they work with their whoever is you know that they've chosen as the provider to come yeah. up with a list of funds. And a lot of times they go for easy to understand strategies like retirement date funds, right? Mm-hmm. So in those conversations, ESG doesn't often come up. So a lot, a lot of retirement plans don't include those kind of strategies, except with companies that already that, that already have leadership that cares about this stuff.
0: Yeah, you said nonprofits,
2: right? But your your benefits administrator is responsible for taking your points of view or your concerns and taking them up to leadership, and they have to renew every year the contracts that they have with these fund providers. Interesting. So you can so you can go to them and say, "Hey, look, me and I got signatures from you know a dozen of my coworkers. We, we'd really be interested in." at least exploring the opportunity to put some ESG options in our retirement plan. And in most cases, that will work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I don't think it's causing a big fuss to do it. I feel like it's, I mean, a lot of this is just people being lazy. (laughs) Sure. Well, it's not just like, you know, it's not, I I wouldn't say that people are lazy.
2: I I would kind of go back to some of the kinds of statements that you've made about like, this stuff is stressful. This stuff is really stressful. And it's really difficult to look at your money and your investments in this, you know, professional strategic way when you just don't even want to look at it. (laughs) You're just like, ah, I don't want to deal with it. It's, you know, I'm worried about what I'm going to find. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I feel uncomfortable. So when we have conversations with people, you know, the first 60% of the conversation kind of has to be about let's talk about money in general. Like, how do you feel about it? What are your worries about it? What do you think about risk? Um, Mm -hmm. I think those things are really important. You know, one of the things that I like about the work you do is that you really advocate for very open discussions about money. And I can tell you that, gosh, I would really, I would like that to be much more of a norm than it is. You know, so many people are really worried about just being honest, there's so much stigma around it. There's so much No, it's incredibly there. embarrassing every moment of every day. <laughs> it is, right? It is. And, you know, I, you know, I, I totally understand that. But, man, it, it really is powerful stuff.
0: Thank you. I mean, I think also it's not just laziness. is that people don't know. So I was curious in the information that you sent that it says over the past six months, ESG investing has faced a huge backlash. I didn't know about this. Like, what is going on?
2: I think you can, you could probably predict, I think you could probably make a good guess about what's going on. There is, you know, a meaningful percentage of like the large scale funders on the more conservative side of the aisle that make their money from fossil fuels or make their money from the ways that things have always been. And they have really put, a lot of money into trying to make political, trying to push for a political backlash against ESG, and and the way that that's taken shape is that in various states they've tried to discourage or even sort of outright punish states for looking at including ESG options in state pension plans. You've seen that in Texas. You've seen you've seen that in a number of what you would consider to be more red states. It's been a really coordinated push to do that. If you look at, if you go back to the Trump administration, not that any of us necessarily want to do that, but if you do, you'll see that there was a lot of conversation about, you know, it should not be allowed in people's retirement plans for people to say, oh, we want to have an ESG option in our retirement plans. It shouldn't be allowed.
0: Okay, I'm sorry, smaller government. Please let me have my guns. But don't, but only invest where I tell you. That's
2: precisely correct. That's precisely correct. But I mean, the the problem is you're talking about the political realm. A lot of the guys, you know, and I say guys, there are women, but I'm, I'm mostly talking about guys. They don't, they don't really know, and they are kind of just out there to do, you know, do the work that their major funders are asking them to do. And so there's a, there's been a big pushback politically in the States. and But here's the good news. The good news is that companies, large corporations, your Microsofts, even companies like Walmart and what have you, they are not paying a, a lick of attention to all of that. They may be a little bit circumspect about talking publicly about their ESG efforts, but every company that I, I know of, 99% of the S&P 500, to get kind of data is reporting on ESG metrics, which means, you know, things like your, your your carbon footprint, your diversity data. There's a there's a lot of data that has been developed and companies are putting this information out publicly and investors, big investors are using this data to figure out where they want to put their money. So, you know, it's really not slowing anything down. All that that backlash is doing is preventing people like you and me from understanding what big money people already know, which I think is
0: wrong. Yeah. Is it possible to ethically invest? Is it just kind of this silly sort of, cause like, I, I think so, but it is funny to, I keep thinking of the sort of neoliberal idea of like, uh, well, there's a lot of women on the board of this company that is certainly fracking. (laughs) You know what I mean?
2: I think what you're asking is the fundamental question. It is so central to where things are going to go in the future. Because you're you're absolutely right. Now, I'm a little older than you, mm. and I'm old enough to remember kind of the way that things were before the 80s. It was really Reaganomics that kind of set the template for how we think about money now, which is to say money should be extracted. You should just grab as much as you can all the time. It wasn't always that way. Companies haven't always kind of operated with that mindset. And I'm going to try to avoid taking you down the whole rabbit hole of history. I think that might be kind of boring. But I do think that there are a lot of very rational, reasonable, uh, responsible company leaders that exist out there. And they really do care about, like, okay, I want to make money for for the business and for shareholders, but I also want to bring our employees along and respect their work and pay them properly. I do want to really care about our customers and make sure that you know, we're providing them with the best value that we can. It's a mm-hmm. huge balancing act, but that's really what the responsibility of a corporate leader should be, is to do that balancing act the right way. So right now, I think in a lot of companies, that balancing act isn't happening the right way. It's all kind of going for Let's just have the shareholders grab as much money as possible. But there's no counterbalance to that. ESG investing is the counterbalance to that. If you and your friends and mm-hmm. you know many more people are out there saying in a very definitive way, I only want to put my money toward companies that do that balancing act the right way and invest with mutual funds or whatever you're investing in, that are looking for that, that makes a powerful statement. And that's, uh, you know, in many ways, the reason that ESG has
0: grown to the degree that it has. Hey guys, Gabe Dunn here. I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Gabe S Dunn. And on that Patreon, I'm going to start doing live hangs with everyone who is a patron. So if you want to join the Patreon, you can get all these episodes ad free, videos of our mailbag episodes, extra writing from me, blogs, fiction, other stuff, things that I'm thinking about with regards to money and personal stories. And also now live hangs with me on Zoom once a month. So join the Patreon. And if you're not a member of the Discord, hop on over to the Discord. That's free. The link will be in the description. It's so fun. So many of you guys talk over there. It's like truly popping off. Um, and if you're on the Discord, I would love to see you in the live hang. So I get to put a face to a name. So yeah, please join patreon.com slash Gabe S. and come hang out with me. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time-consuming. I'm sure you guys know. You've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements – I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize, because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads difficult to use rarely updated so was monarch they built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app it gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts investments transactions and more Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com/badmoney. That's M O N A R C H M O N E Y.com/badmoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right. You can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Corp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A., members FDIC. Spot Me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. I think sometimes people view and i'm just coming to this conclusion now as i speak people are more interested in boycotting like they're more interested in in abs- abstaining from things that they feel don't align with their values versus seeing where their money is actually going already like mm-hmm. i can imagine there are people that are like boycott starbucks and then they don't realize that their 401k is invested in like the Grumpiest, oldest, white man, woman hating person's company to exist.
2: That is a, a very, very accurate statement. That's okay today, but I don't yeah. think it's okay as we kind of go forward. Like if you don't have a lot of money invested in a retirement plan or personal investments or whatever, you mm-hmm. do what you can. You, you, you know, doing those kind of boycotts is a great way to kind of impact a company's reputation, and that has an impact. But I can tell you from having been in doing financial writing for a long time, what companies really care about is what messages they're getting from investors, right? They they should say pull
0: your investments.
2: Exactly. They care a lot about that. So you can, you know, we like to to call it like the fighting styles. Like how do you like to create change? Do you like to avoid companies that you just, that you don't like? Well, there's a style for you. We call it avoiding, but the industry being so helpful and so filled with jargon calls it, you know, like, the, you know, uh, just avoidance of of the whole, like, we're going to stay away. We're going to divest from divest, fossil fuels yeah. or whatever. There, but there's other ways you can go about it too. There's the rewarding style, which is, you know, we're going to look for companies that may not be perfect, but they're better this year than they were last year and they seem to be on a trajectory. And there's also something called engaging, which is, or influencing as we like to call it, where companies that do these investments, they use the opportunity to say, hey, you know, we have shareholders in our mutual funds that have $700 million invested in your company. We want a meeting and we want to vote our proxies and we want to talk to you about the things that we know our shareholders don't like. There's kind of opportunities for influence they make a tremendous difference. You know, they they really drive change in a way
0: that boycotting can't uh, can't meet. Money talks. It does. I I am curious if there's any kind of like finagling that we should be aware of. For example, we see this company. I'm just making this up. We see a company that's called like green roots, and you're like, oh, that seems good, and then it's like, do you know, like, are they trying to, like, obfuscate, obfuscate I don't know how to say it, what you're looking at?
2: Yes. In like fact, we have kind of an informal rule uh, over here. If you see a picture of a pair of hands holding coins that have a tree growing out of them, you should be sus- very suspicious. It's very sus. Very sus. <laughs> very sus. There's a lot of PR that's more about look good in this moment but don't really change anything on the back end. Well, there's really good news on this front. I mean, companies are very motivated to do that because they don't want to they don't want to deal with things, they don't want to make changes, but also they don't want to get their reputations harmed, right? So they're very motivated to kind of BS their way out of those kind of criticisms. But a lot of that is really changing very dramatically just in the last 18 months to 2 years because large scale investors and what I'm talking here about foundations and endowments and nonprofits and, and yeah. college uh college campuses. There's been so so much big money that is very mission driven. You know, if you're a PETA, you have a big endowment right. and if you don't want to see animal testing be a part of your investing program You can walk right in the door and be like, show me that that's not the case. And they will. They will do whatever they have to do to, you know, meet that need, right? Because there's been so much big money asking really tough questions, companies are starting to have like chief sustainability officers and diversity officers. And truthfully, a lot of of people that are in those roles don't really know exactly what they need to be doing because it's all kind of new. But they are legitimately trying and they're given the opportunity in an increasing number of cases to be, to have a role or have a say in how strategy is set up and how communications are done. And, you know, that is really, to me, that's a really, really great news. We just finished doing our sort of 2024 outlook. And I think that is one of the trends that excites
0: me the most. And so you can kind of suss out if... If it's kind of if it's bullshit, like you pretty can. easily, I mean, it seems like yeah. Because we're talking to everyday
2: investors and really focusing on like making that first investment, we tend to focus on like okay, you know, you're going to invest in mutual funds is probably the most likely thing that you're going to end up doing. So let's look at the mutual funds that say they're ESG and let's talk about whether they're real or not, right? Yeah, and we we kind of boil it down to a two question rubric which is you know do they say what they do and do they do what they say right and you can you can find that out just by kind of looking very quickly at you know the web page for a given mutual fund right you can sort of see what they're saying and you can look at their top investments and you can say does that make sense to me and you know our advice is if it doesn't make sense to you don't do it move on there's 800 or more of those kind of funds that are out there. You can find lists of them, you can Google them. There's no reason to be stuck with one option if what you're looking for doesn't seem to be there. Uh, we, we think that's really important because a lot of companies, a lot of investment companies, they may very well have legitimate strategies, but they do a crap job in a lot of cases of explaining what they're doing. Yeah. And if, they, if they're not explaining it clearly, we've, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea. It means that they don't have clarity internally about what they're trying to accomplish. So yeah. they're going to just float with the wind. And, you know, there's just too much risk, I think, in trying to, you know, make that fit. But, like, you know, we always say the perfect doesn't need to be the enemy of the good here. You know, you can start with one Vanguard index ESG fund and learn a little something about what's involved in that. And if you kind of like the way that that makes you feel, you can go to the next option. You can look up a few other things yeah. and then get to a point where, oh, maybe Parnassus is a better fit for me, right? Or, or maybe Green Century is a better fit for me. There's a lot of interesting options out there. It just takes, you know, it, it, it takes time to kind of learn a little bit about them, which is hard for a lot of people I know, but yeah. that's why I always say, you know, t- take a first step and it doesn't have to be perfect.
0: I mean, in the amount of time you could look up, you know, some other fund may as well look up an ESG, like if you're already doing it. I mean, I guess sure. the, the thing is, is that like the people you work with might be like, what is this? But if you're just like doing it on your own. That's totally true. I mean, if you're on a platform
2: like Fidelity, which I think a lot of people are at this point in time, I mean, those those ESG funds, uh, there's loads of them on there. Most, yeah. most of the major ones are out there and in the book and then sort of consistently over time, we look. Updated, but we have put these fun family profiles just to give people a very basic sense for okay, if you're investing in Vanguard, w- what are you about to get yourself into? Like, what is their approach? What's that strategy? And we can right. we can do we can explain that in three paragraphs. Or if you're you know looking at elvest or mm. you know any of the it just any any of the the know large scale or yeah. boutique kind of companies, they all have a point of view, and most of the time you just need to understand that point of view.
0: Do you think there's anyone? Probably there are people who are like, I want to find the company that hurts the whales the most. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because we talk about ESG like moral values that like are our values, right? But there's gotta be people who are just like, who supports guns the most? Oh God, that's
2: a really, really good question. I mean, and I'm I'm old enough to be able to say that, you know, what I've seen out there in the world is that the vast majority of people they really think they're, they're good people and they care about doing things the right way. But there are just that small number of douchebags, shall we call
0: them? Yeah. They have an outsized impact. Right. Because we're like ethical funds, ethical investing, but like according to our ethics. Sure. Sure. I mean,
2: I think that there's like, there's definitely different versions of values, right? Um, yeah. People who come at it as like faith-based people. Right. Uh, They don't want to invest
0: in abortion or anything like that.
2: Sure. Exactly. And as far as I'm concerned, it's fine. You know, you know, you should have an option, too. But for the most part.
0: Jesus investing. That's my new book. (laughs) Well, I mean. (laughs) Investing the way Jesus would want. (laughs) There's some big money about
2: that. Let me tell you. Yeah, that's a whole different story.
0: I got to get in there.
2: But I don't think that that's where most people are at this point in time, you know? Like, yeah. And then I think the reason for that is that we all are are impacted by climate change. You know, when people talk about, there's been studies that have been done about what do people really care about the most, and climate change always rises to the top of the list. Mm-hmm. And also up there at the top of the list is fair employment practices and first mm-hmm. employment practices. These are just these are just things that that people are are acknowledging are legitimate problems and people want to be part of the solution. And why shouldn't they?
3: Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or 7up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
0: What are some companies that we would be surprised to know pass ESG? So one of our favorite examples to talk about is Tesla, right?
2: What? Well, hold on, now. Hold on. Tesla. Okay, they put out a product that has been instrumental in pushing forward this transition to electric cars, right? They're they're a leading purveyor. They're they're pushing the technology. Yeah. They're you know for for all kinds of reasons they are viewed as a an, uh, an ESG an environmentally friendly company. And then on the other hand. You know, you've got a company that is extract- is being very extractive about the minerals it needs for its batteries. It has yeah. all kinds of labor problems and lawsuits on its books. And you've got, you know, a CEO who is controversial. Shall we say Ooh. controversial? Right. <laughs> so, Ooh. if you depending on what you what you're looking at, you know, Tesla might be viewed as an ESG friendly company, or it might not. Uh. Right yeah so you know that's why we sort of say do you say what you do and do you do what you say Hmm. because if you are looking at looking at a mutual fund and they say that their strategy is to really focus on environmental issues or for employment issues and social issues and you can see that tesla is one of their top holdings that kind of answers a big question right they're part of the folks who are like well you know they're not great but they're good enough for us yeah, and is, and is that good enough for you? Right. There's I mean, plenty. There's plenty of, there's plenty of op- options out there where you don't have to invest in Tesla if you don't want to.
0: Is there like international options that are better? They're like other countries, or you know, like I don't know. Um, Just curious. The European Union is way way out in front
2: of us oh. in terms of their regulation. They have, uh-huh. uh, in 2023. They put out a really meaningful piece of legislation around data reporting, like what the standards are going to be for for reporting data about your environmental friendliness and your social activity, in part because of the way that those regulations have been set up. A lot of companies that had previously been viewed as environmentally friendly, for example, just kind of got booted off the list, right? So So there's some teeth in there. So in part because... You know, Europe is much more focused and more more ahead on the thinking about how to do this. There's definitely a lot of non-US investments and companies that do a much better job on this. Like the one that comes to mind is Schroeder's. Schroeder's is a UK mutual fund company and they do a really good job. But I'm not sure that it's absolutely necessary to to go invest your money outside the US. In a lot of cases you're gonna deal with like different expense structures or Things that may not be easy to understand, they may just work a little bit differently than the way that your friendly neighborhood fidelity fund would. So so I'm not sure that's necessarily the best way to go. But the good news is that by being so firm about what the regulations are, they're setting a standard for companies all across the world. I think I've read this week that something like 3,000 U.S. companies are subject to the European standards for disclosure because oh. they have some form of business uh, in Europe. So they're they're setting a standard and ultimately, you know, they're just going to get comfortable conforming to those standards. And that's just going to lead to these companies doing more and more transparency and reporting of the kind of information that, that uh, ESG investors care about.
0: So how often do places get labeled? Like how often do they give out the label? Is it like as a rolling sort of thing?
2: Well, I'm not sure that I know the answer to that question, but I will say that, uh, especially in Europe, they've been really public about companies that aren't sort of living up to to their marketing. Uh, I know Deutsche Bank got really hammered a a couple of times for deceptive practices when it comes to uh, ESG. But we've seen some of that here too, like Goldman Sachs, we have a, in the book, we have a good, a good sort of workout of a couple, just comparing some different funds and Goldman Sachs is one of them or one of the Goldman Sachs funds. And, you know, they talk a lot about ESG stuff, but they, they really don't follow through. There's not a lot, of, they were not very clear about what they were doing. And then the SEC came in and said, you know, you're basically false advertising this. So, you know, it, that
0: kind of thing is happening. Are there consequences to that? Like, does the SEC uh, find them?
2: Yes, there's fines involved. Oh, okay. They're like, whatever. Once you take that reputational hit, you might have to maybe close the fund or move the money into something else or yeah. change the manager or something yeah. like that. You know, you put a target on your back when you do that. And there's, a, I mean, there's enough people in, in sort of the ecosystem now that are really looking at that stuff closely to, you know, be discouraging to, you know, potential greenwashers
0: out there. So if everyone switched... ESGs, what would happen?
2: So I I like to call that the wheel of impact, right? So, you know, your individual like uh, account balance may not be all that huge, but when you invest in a mutual fund with many thousands of other people, now that fund represents millions of dollars. And if you've chosen a good fund, that the leadership and portfolio managers of that fund are now empowered to go talk to companies about, hey, we're concerned about your carbon footprint. We're concerned about
0: this this bit of data here. We want to talk to you about making changes, right? And I think that'll do more than Congress coming at them. 100%, 100%. It
2: doesn't hurt. I mean, what Congress does has an impact on what people understand about what's going on in the world. But what's really talking to the companies is the money. The money really is what talks to them. So you get enough people asking really tough questions and demanding better answers. And now those companies need to go out and hire people with better knowledge to start managing that data, start finding the data, organizing it, and in a transparent way, reporting it. And once you have better data, you can have better strategies for this is a good company, this is a bad company, we want to focus on this particular quality. And so then there's better clarity about how you do this and how to. it's just sort of a, you know, a a positive spiral that kind of pushes people in the right direction. So from my perspective, it's not that you need to throw a lot of money at uh, ESG strategies or whatever in order to like change the world, but by contributing to that positive spiral. Uh, you're, you are really are making a change in the world that is happening much more quickly or
0: can happen much more quickly. So to close out, what do you recommend? Like, what are some funds or what do you recommend people? Do you, in the book, give recommendations?
2: So we don't give recommendations because we're not in, in investment advisors and it would be somewhat dubiously legal for us to do that. But what we do say is, you know, you need a place to start. So we like to talk to people about, like, look at your retirement accounts, right? Because those are your longest term holdings, and that's where the advantages of ESG are most likely to do you the most good. So the first thing to do is look at your your 401k, if you have one of those, or 403b, look at your internal uh, retirement plans, see if there are any ESG options there. And if there aren't, maybe go talk to the administrator to ask them if they might be coming or if there's any way you get some. If you don't have them or you don't want to do that, you can also look at your existing investments, either in IRA or maybe on a brokerage platform and go just check out maybe, you know, in those cases, you have the free run. You can choose whatever you want. And in those cases, like see what's easy. Or, or if you're somebody who invests exclusively in, T. Rowe Price Funds, for example, well, maybe there's a T. Rowe Price Fund that uh, is a better fit for you that has more ESG characteristics. And that in that case, it's just a simple push the button and you've made change um, kind of situation. You know, because one of the biggest challenges of, of ESG is that there's a certain amount of administrative challenge in making a change. Right. If you want to invest in a smaller boutique ESG strategy, there's some really great ones out there, but they may not have all the bells and whistles and the online access uh, capabilities that someone like Fidelity has. Right. So and ultimately, I don't think that matters that much for someone who's investing for the long term because you're not going to engage with that stuff all the time but it does mean that you may have to like print out a form. Right. It's like (laughs) people being like, I don't want to go to a
0: credit union (laughs) because where am I going to find, you know, where am I going to get my ATMs or whatever?
2: Yeah. So I personally think it's not a bad idea to just sort of start with like the big companies and see what they have and get comfortable with that. And then if you get emboldened by that, if you feel like, Hey, this is, I, I like what I'm doing here more than in the rest of my portfolio then then maybe you'll be more motivated to be like, okay, I'm going to print out that form and I'm going to fill it in with a pen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you and your book?
2: Uh, Check us out at www.tillinvestors.com. We have a Till Investors uh, Twitter account, X account, um, and uh, Facebook and a LinkedIn, um, but we like to bring people to the website because we, you know, we have a book out there that you can buy um, at from Amazon or wherever your favorite bookseller is. But we put a lot of free content, like most of the main core concepts of that book, we've just put on the website for free because we really want to help people understand this stuff. It's not, it's, it doesn't have to be scary, and it can mean so much to, like. Uh, you know, feeling your own financial power. And I really want people to feel like they can take some of that.
0: Yeah. Don't just boycott do, do active stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you, Gabe. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Okay. We're going to do a fake. That was our fake. Goodbye. Bad with money with Gabe. Shane Dunn is a production of noted bisexual produced by Melissa D. Montz and diamond M print productions edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Coco Lorenz. And music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye.
3: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.